Welcome to episode 24 of the Ask Achieve show, where we answer all of your burning questions on all things health, fitness, and business. We're your hosts, Lauren and Jason Pack, and we're on a mission to bring inclusivity and positive vibes to the fitness space. Today, we'll be covering soreness after exercise, our thoughts on fitness trackers, differences in types of stretching, and our feelings about six-week fitness challenges. We hope you're excited. Let's get into the show. All right, episode 24, Lauren's feeling a little bit under the weather right I'm now. a little sick. <laughs> He's got a sore throat. She's literally eating a popsicle right yeah. before she went on the show. So, um, And also we've got some kind of gurgling noises in the background, and that is her uh, dishwasher machine. So well, things are a little bit chaotic right now. It's chaos in the pack household. <laughs> but Diesel's peacefully sleeping, and that's all that matters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, all right. All right, let's get into it. Okay, so the first question is from ajla.z. They asked, I have a question. Is it important to feel soreness after your workout for muscle growth? Can you explain that, please? Um, It is absolutely not um, important to be sore after a workout, and it is not a sign that you had a good workout. Um, It might be a sign that maybe you changed something up. Maybe you changed up your routine or you tried out a new exercise, and it, it gave your body a different type of stimulus. But really, the only thing that we're looking for in terms of working out and getting stronger and building more muscle is, did you increase in any one of these categories? Was it repetitions, sets, um, so just overall volume, or maybe you increased weights, um, maybe you uh, increased range of motion, maybe you had an increase in tempo. All, all we're looking for throughout your program is just micro-improvements in any of these categories. And if soreness happens to happen, then great. Um, But a lot of times, actually, we're trying to limit the amount of soreness that you have because the more sore you are, the less likely you are to come into the gym the next day or feel like you want to work out. It actually, at a certain point, um, hampers your ability to get back into the gym and and hit it hard the next day. So we actually think that soreness can also be a detriment. Yeah. I mean, I used to be a glutton for soreness and think that if I wasn't sore, I didn't work hard enough. Um, And now I'm like, if I'm sore, I'm like, oh my God, this feels awful. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, oh, I can't can't work out today. I'm too sore. (laughs) Um, And it's because we've gotten used to that sort of more... Uh, slow and steady progress. Um, when you when you first start working out, you're going to be sore. There's mm-hmm. just no way around it. Like totally. your body is just not used to it. You're gonna and so you might think that that like you might feel that and think that that's what you're supposed to feel all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you get more, as you get stronger, as your body gets more used to that type of demand, it's just not going to happen as often or as frequently or as intensely. Um, and yeah, like Jason said, it's that's okay. And um, if you're if you're making those little bits of progress at a time, which is what we want to see, your body's not going to freak out because it's just small progress, um, and, but it's still progress. So yeah. that's that's kind of the main thing is that we want that those little little steps forward um, at a at a reasonable pace so that your body is like, I got this. I'm still changing. I'm still adapting. I'm still feeling the effects, but I'm not like going into this crazy like protective mode where you, it just doesn't want you to move for another week. <laughs> yeah. So strive for those small improvements in those categories and you will be um, just fine. <laughs> yeah. All right. Question number two is from Rita Q and she asks, what are your thoughts on fitness trackers slash wearables? I'm pretty happy with my iWatch health kit data, but I'd like to know your opinion of them. I also use cardiogram that lets you know about your heart rate zones when exercising. Thank you. So, the thing about any tracker um, or wearable like this is that it's never going to give you perfect data. Um, 
the the closest you'll get to to perfect data with heart rate at least is some is a chest strap so wearing something that's directly around your chest because that's going to be the closest to your heart um the wrist um it's like they're like optical sensors on your wrist yeah Yeah, so they're not perfect um so it's going to be hard to get unless you're in a lab um it's going to be hard to get really great data um but what i feel about them is that if they are if it's something that motivates you and something that keeps you accountable keeps you like pushing for more and keep striving for more. I think it's great. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with having some sort of feedback to tell you like, here's what you did today in comparison to yesterday. Um, because that's sort of, I think where they're, they're helpful is it might not be hundred percent accurate in exactly how many calories you burned or exactly how much REM sleep you got, (laughs) but it will show you like what this watch is capable of showing you from day to day and you can see the differences from day to day. Yeah, I think that's important. Yeah, you can see those sort of general trends pop up. Um, at, at Achieve, I mean, we, we see we see a bunch of people that are so data-driven. We get like a lot of engineers yeah. and a lot of like um, just scientists overall and they want to see numbers, they want to see that quantifiable data. And so for them, they have like Fitbits and that automatically syncs to their scale, which automatically syncs to an app on their phone that syncs to their desktop. And they love it. They love like the graphs and flow charts and pie charts and all that. And yeah, if you're one of those people, then absolutely continue to go on with it. Um, We also see a lot of people just buy Fitbits and buy Apple Watches and buy these trackers uh, just because they are popular, um, especially at the moment with all like the smart technology um, but then they kind of just fall off. Um, I mean, I did it. that. I got a Fitbit, and I was, like, having fun tracking my steps yeah. and stuff for a little while, and then I was just kind of like, all right, I, I don't really need to know this <laughs> anymore. <laughs> um, but even if it helps someone kick off their fitness journey with, uh, you know, something, I guess some sort of smart technology, I think, yeah, we're all for it. It's not going to yeah. hurt, so. Yeah, it's not going to hurt. And, well, the only way it could hurt is if you get too attached to the actual data in terms of, like, if you start to freak out that your heart rate's like a couple beats off one day or the, you know, like yeah, if that's it's, true. you know, cause it could be these, these little changes in your environment or if you're like, if it's hotter out and you're sweating more that day or something that could just like mess up the data on a little watch device. So as long as you're not taking the numbers too seriously and not but like, like freaking out if anything goes a little bit off or if you don't quite hit your calorie count that day, things yeah. like that. Um, those are the only times that I think those can be a little bit detrimental. But otherwise, if it's just if you're just using it for motivation and for some information, I think that's great. I'm literally thinking about one of our members, Ty, one of our friends, Ty. She, <laughs> we were just having a general conversation, just like it was like three or four of us gathered together talking about something. And she just started like marching really aggressively in place. And I was like, what are you doing? She's like, just trying to get my steps in. <laughs> so, but like, that's great. Yeah. She's just like, I just need to move more. Because... She's like, no big deal, but you know, this is what I'm trying to do. Yeah. <laughs> so hopefully that helps. And yeah, we don't have any specific um, thoughts on like different types of trackers because we just haven't done enough research on them yeah. um, to tell you if those ones are like better or worse. Um, but I think any of the Apple products are usually fairly good, um, fairly well researched. So yeah, should, should be good. Cool. All right. Question number three is from Dave today. And he asked, Hey guys, I had a topic. I was wondering if you could cover on your podcast. I was wondering if you could please go over the differences in static stretching, dynamic stretching and weighted stretching, what applications each are best used for and which or combination of which are best for increasing mobility. All right. So this is actually a fantastic question because there's all sorts of stretches out there, especially on Instagram. Um, basically, when let's say you're strength training 
if you static stretch, so, so stretching, I think, even longer than 30 seconds alone, it can temporarily weaken your muscles. So if you are about to do a sport or uh, some sort of max lift attempt or um, you're competing in some sort of competition, we wouldn't necessarily want to perform a long duration static stretch right before that event, um, which is why you see people do a lot of dynamic mobility. So we'll do things like inchworms and Spidermans and active hip flexor activations or hip flexor mobilizations, um, things like that, which are like two seconds in length and just basically prepare your body for the movement that it's about to go through. Um, so we like to do a lot of dynamic mobility before our strength training efforts. Um, but we also still do static stretching before our workouts if we think it's going to help that person get into a better position with their lift that they're about to do. So if they're about to do a deadlift movement and we know that they have tight hamstrings, which is limiting their um, ability to get down low and grab the bar and pick it up safely, then we will sacrifice that short-term um, strength potential in order to get that extra range and make sure that person lifts up the barbell safely and properly. Um, so we don't want to say that you should never static stretch before doing any sort of strength training session or anything like that. Um, we do think there are benefits and merits there. Um, we also do recommend static, static stretching after a workout. We think it's a great way to cool down. Um, your system is all revved up because of the workout and because of whatever finisher you may have gone through. And it's just a good time to breathe, get some general stretching, stretching going on. It just calms the system down and it just helps to jumpstart the recovery process so that you are fully recovered to hit it hard again the next time you go back into the gym. Um, as far as weighted stretching goes... This is something that we use um, only when someone is actually very proficient with movement. Um, so some examples of weighted stretching are, let's say you're in a split squat position and you are just letting your knee barely hover off the ground and you're really squeezing your back leg glute and you're really keeping your core tight and you also have heavy dumbbells. And so these weights are pulling you into a deeper hip flexor stretch but it's only beneficial if you can actually maintain that position if you have a base level of strength. If you just have someone brand new to strength training or weight training, you haven't performed these weighted stretches, they're going to relax so much uh, so that they place a stress on their ligaments and their tendons. And you, you, they search out the hip, castle, hip capsules while well, I'm struggling with words right now. <laughs> but we only like to use weighted stretching when someone is actually proficient with movement. However, if they are proficient with movement, weighted stretching actually has tons of application and it has um, probably a greater um, benefit because it forces the body to adapt more. So that's why you see a lot of things like Jefferson curls on uh, like online. You also see a lot of um, weighted pec mobility stretching, um, especially people that strength train. They get pretty um, wound up and tight. So it just helps to get a little bit more load to assist gravity in your stretching. So. Those are the three ways we use it. Yeah. Or if you're a 12-year-old gymnast like I was and you have a 200-pound coach, <laughs> he just sits on you while you're in the splits if you're not flexible. Yeah. If you're, if you're a gymnast kid, you're probably pretty resilient, so I guess that's applicable, but that would probably like, snap our members in half. That, that's like memory is burned into my mem my brain forever. Yeah. But I was, the, I was a gymnast and I was the least flexible gymnast like, I swear, in the world. I couldn't do the splits. I couldn't do any, like... And I was actually a pretty high-level gymnast to it, like, yeah. by the time I was done. But 
I was just like powerful and not flexible and my coaches would literally sit on me and it didn't help. (laughs) So there's certain, like, there's certain, and I think what happens, and actually this is true of if you're doing it too soon, I think what happens is, um, I was probably not strong enough to, um, be able to like control that range of motion. So I would probably, I would actually probably tense up too much when that was happening. Mm -hmm. So there's also a point where like, if it's too, if there's too much load in a stretch, you might actually resist that stretch and tense up and not allow it to actually do its job. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was, I remember like resisting so much because I was like terrified of going into this stretch. (laughs) So I was like, no, so I'd like tighten up to try to resist this person pushing me into a split. (laughs) I mean, that makes sense. Right. So, um, so yeah, it's weighted stretching. It, usually, we're not talking that extreme, but weighted stretching can be can be really good as long as you choose the right moments and the right types of stretches to to do it with. Yeah. So. Yeah. Cool. All right, we have one more question. Um, this one is from. Oops, where are we? Uh, Coach Jess Lewis, and she asked, your thoughts on six-week challenges? Tons of gyms do these, and I personally don't like the idea when sold as a quick fix. I know many gyms do it to generate revenue, which I get, but when there's a lot of... But when... Oh, when I get when there is a lot of completion, sorry. But I feel that the consumer now jumps from challenge to challenge, and this perpetuates a quick fix mentality. Yeah, so this is something that we've been um, just kind of trying to figure out a solution for um we do think that six-week challenges are valuable as long as it is presented in a way that it's not a quick fix um we ran a couple challenges one of them was called not your average weight loss challenge and then we also had another challenge that was a uh, called the Mo- memorial day kickstart challenge so we like to use this sort of verbiage in saying that hey, this could be a great jumping off platform for you to um, then go off on your fitness journey um, because it can be intimidating um, just trying to join a gym, especially our gym where it is higher priced because there is coaching and programming and all that involved. It just helps to have people get a taste of what we offer before they fully sign up for, let's say, our annual membership. Um, so it's a great way for us to get people in, in through the doors. Um, however, we, we've held off until just last year, yeah. until we figured out that we don't have to market it as this fat loss challenge. It yeah, can just be more of a habit-based challenge. So yeah. you want to speak on that? Well, that was the biggest thing was we were like, we felt so conflicted because we knew when we, you hear from, if you own a business or you're a, a gym owner or even working in a gym, you kind of know that everybody's doing challenges and that's the way that everybody's getting people in the door. And you start hearing this and you're like, well, I mean, like... Okay, but our our conflict was we don't want to push people to lose as much weight as possible in six weeks because that's not actually what we believe in. Yeah. So how do we how do we navigate that? And so our solution was that first challenge was not your average weight loss challenge, and the whole idea the the title was actually misleading because it just wasn't a weight loss challenge. <laughs> it should have just been called not a weight loss challenge. <laughs> but anyway, so we we decided to do a challenge based on habits, and so you you could get points for completing different worksheets that we had for you that were like around mindset and doing certain things around nutrition where you would, you would, um, everybody actually had an accountability coach and each team had an accountability coach. 
and they would submit like photos of meal prep and they'd get points for that. And so there were different point systems where it wasn't about getting rewarded for stepping on the scale and seeing a lower number. It was getting rewarded for actually taking steps toward a healthier lifestyle. And of course, weight loss typically comes with that if that's something that your body needs. Um, but we didn't want to make that the focus. We wanted to make the focus on um, what the person was doing. And because and once you do that and they start to feel really good and they see results, they're like, okay, I want to keep doing these things. And one of those things was coming to your gym and working out consistently. Mm -hmm. And so we ended up getting a lot of members actually join out of that challenge because they realized that what we do there is going to produce results. Um, but we're not going to force them to step on the scale every week. We're not going to force them to focus so much on the, the, um, data and the, the numbers. We're going to focus more on their health and what they're actually, what they're actually doing. Yeah. And like, yeah, we, we were able to get in so many people that didn't really care about weight loss either. Yeah. They were like, Oh, I just want like, there are so many weight loss challenges out there, but all I wanted to do is just get stronger or feel better or feel less injured and things yeah. like that. And it worked out really well. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's so tempting, honestly, like it's tempting to just be like, let's just do a weight loss challenge. Cause that's what people want. Yeah. It's really tempting. We've even like, we got to the point even once where, and we, we really don't believe in them, but we were like, should we just do it? And so we brought it up in a meeting and our coaches looked at us like we had five heads. <laughs> They're like, you guys don't believe in that. We were like, we know, I don't know what we were thinking, <laughs> but like, it gets really tempting. Cause you, and I like, there are Wait, it's not like weight loss is a bad goal. Yeah. There, there are reasons that people should lose weight if they're if they're un living an unhealthy lifestyle and their weight is affecting their health. They should try to lose weight, and it's not a bad goal. Um, it's more that we didn't want people to feel like that was the only way to measure success, mm. and that was the only way to accomplish something in our gym, and and, that, and it's not. So we we keep reminding ourselves of that and and that brings us back to reality of what we, do we really want to do with this type of challenge um and so we've still continued to stay away from the quick fix weight loss challenge and focus more on habit building challenges yeah actually speaking of challenges we are going to be running one in april right yeah we're kicking it off soon yeah so for anyone who uh lives in the boston somerville cambridge area that happens to be listening to this uh, we will be running a, I think, a four-week challenge, four, right? It's 28 days. So yeah. four-week challenge. Um, there will be coaching involved. There will be a program involved. And we also give out daily emails where we talk about process-based goals on how you can uh, be more consistent at the gym. We talk about things like hydration and sleep and uh, meditation and mindfulness and gratitude and all these concepts that aren't really talked about in extreme weight loss situations, which is more about like counting your calories and your macros and weighing your food and all that, which we just think is not very sustainable in the long term and also just very uh, mentally exhausting. Mm -hmm. um, so we are doing um, another kickstart challenge um, that will kick up in April. So yeah. keep your um, eyes and ears peeled for that one. Yeah. Uh, I guess that's about it. Cool. I think that, <laughs> I think that wraps it up. <laughs> if you guys could send us any podcast uh, questions you have at podcast at AchieveFitnessBoston.com. That would be great. Um, you can also DM us on Instagram at AchieveFitnessBoston. Um, any of these questions that you might have. Uh, if you could submit a review on iTunes um, on the podcast app, that would be greatly appreciated. And that about wraps it up for today. So until next time, peace, love, and, and muscles. muscles.